بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وبه نستعين ونصلي ونسلم على خاتم النبيين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي او بريز بلونغ تو الله سبحانه وتعالى alone we praise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek his assistance and we seek his guidance and we seek refuge in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of ourselves and the adverse consequences of our deeds Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever He misguides, none can guide. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is His messenger. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, it is sunnah to offer the greeting, but once the greeting is offered, it's compulsory to respond. I share with you this piece of information because I'm about to greet you with the Islamic greeting. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Barakallahu feekum. It's a great honor, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, to be given the opportunity to share with you again from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our master and leader and final teacher at this particular winter gathering uh, here in Dubai. Uh, I rec fondly recall our time together last year when we discussed the topic, the three eyes of success, the eye of ikhlas, the eye of ihsan, and the eye of istiqamah. And we discussed that topic with an action mandate, and I hope that you progressed through the rest of the year after that discussion with great progress. Today, inshallah, our topic will be about how to increase our risk, how to increase sustenance. And no doubt, this means that today's topic is one of barakah. And again, as I did last year, I will present the topic, inshallah, with the same mandate, the action mandate. So that insha'Allah you progress throughout the course of this year with much progress and not just movement. And insha'Allah we'll uh, touch on this um, as we progress through today's talk. So how come the topic of Barakah? Why are we discussing the topic of Barakah? The reality is many of us understand that the greatest resources we have, physical resources, uh, constitutes two things, time, which has absolute value, and money, which has relative value. What do I mean when I say absolute value versus relative value? Well, when we look at time, then every human being possesses 24 hours in his or her day, whether you're rich or whether you are poor. And time has the same value irrespective of your financial standing or material well-being. And this is different to money. With regards to money, 
100 dirhams for somebody can be considered to be little. It's change. But to somebody else, 100 dirhams can be considered to be gold. It's everything. It's a lot. So, with this understanding, we see that money has relative value, but time has absolute value. But irrespective, today, uh, physically, we understand the greatest resources to constitute time and money. And with regards to these resources, we feel as we progress through our day and through our, uh, through our night and through our lives, we find that subhanAllah, we have this constant feeling of needing more, more time, more money. Even though, for example, we have technology around us today, which makes things easier, which is supposed to save us time, right? Many businesses, uh, corporate entities, even non-profit organizations, they invest in technology to save time, to create better efficiency, right? Today we have social media apps that facilitates insta-communication. Yes, we live in the age of insta. Insta communication, Instagram, right? Everything is instant. Fast food and so on and so forth. We have society progressing with technology at rampant rates, but subhanAllah, the one complaint that continues to exist on our tongue is the need for more time and the need for more money. This is the reason why, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, the topic chosen for this evening is the topic of Barakah. For anyone who sat with their grandparents and asked them that in your time, how did things used to be? You never had mobile phones, you never had social applications, you never had apps in general, you never had productivity tools. How were things at your time? And they would probably tell you if they haven't told you already that when we used to live a long time ago, we used to plan to do 10 things in a day and by Duhu, we've completed it. We would have completed it. And you and I today say, SubhanAllah, we plan to do 10 things in a day and the Mu'addid announces the Adhan for Salatul Maghrib and we've only completed perhaps just five of our tasks that we've set out to do for that day. We planned ten, but the day's ended and we only managed to do five. Maybe you ask them, how far did a hundred dollars take you or a hundred dirhams or a hundred riyals? Right? How far did this amount of money take you back in your day? And they would probably tell you that they did so much with it and they had changed to give him sadaqah. And they would give sadaqah and they still have left over. They lived an abundance with a few zeros. And you and I would say, SubhanAllah, today we have a multitude of zeros attached to our financial standing and material well-being. But SubhanAllah, we don't experience the abundance. We don't. Buying power has left the currency we hold today. Time power has left the time that we experience today. And once again, brothers and sisters, it is for this reason that we must speak about Barakah.
Because barakah is the means of taking us out of this cycle of madness. Barakah is the means of helping us feel value in what we have. In the abundance that we have. Let me highlight that brothers and sisters. We have abundance. It's not like the families after the Great Depression. It's not like the ages of our grandparents. We live in an abundance, but subhanAllah, an abundance of no value. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, consider this narration by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. Abu Hurairah is a pillar of hadith at the time of the Sahaba. At the time of the Tabi'een, we have Imam Az-Zuhri rahimahullah, who was a pillar of hadith. At the time of the Sahaba, we have Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. He says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once told them that Prophet Ayyub alayhi salam who went through much difficulty and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assisted him out of that difficulty once he was bathing. He was taking a bath. And whilst he was taking this bath, Allah caused gold crickets to fall onto him, gold locusts. To be more appropriate with the translation, gold locusts to fall onto him. Now he's bathing and this gold, these gold locusts are falling onto him. So what does he do? He does what probably you and I would do as human beings today. If gold coins fell upon us from the skies, right? He immediately grabbed his soul, his garment, and he started collecting these gold locusts. So the Prophet says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, that, oh Ayyub, have I not made you independent of having the need to behave like this? Have I not made you independent of having the need to behave in this way? Right? To capture your thobe and start gathering these golden locusts. And Ayyub responds to his Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Indeed you have my Lord, but I am in need of barakah. I am in need of blessings. The solution, brothers and sisters, to our epidemic in terms of loss of value in our time and our money is barakah. So what does barakah mean? To understand what barakah means, I want to share with you some of what the specialists in the Arabic language have said regarding this particular term. And then after that, I want to share with you some advice that the Prophet ﷺ shared. For from his advice in that narration, do we find the exact meaning of barakah? If we look at the Arabic language, we see that barakah has many meanings. From these meanings is number one, an abundance and an increase in something. In the Arabic language we say, an abundance and an increase in something. This is one of the meanings. Another meaning that barakah holds is the meaning of happiness. And the second century Arabic language specialist, Al-Farra, he says, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Hud, Rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And when we say in our tashahud, 
التحيات لله والصلوات والطيبات السلام عليك أيها النبي ورحمة الله وبركاته he says barakat in this ayah and in the tashahud means happiness السعادة it means happiness and he goes on to say because whoever is happy with that which pleased the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then he has achieved continued happiness because what he is pleased with will take him to Jannah and Jannah is a place of never-ending happiness. So the Arabs, when they use the term Barakah, they intend by its usage in some contexts the meaning of happiness. A third meaning that Barakah carries is of something settled, something established, something that cannot be shifted. And the scholars derive this meaning from how the Arabs use the term in relation to the camel. Because when the Arabs describe the kneeling of a camel, they would say, Baraka al-Ba'il. Baraka al-Ba'il. The camel has now sat down. And they gave the camel this description from watching how it sits. That when a camel sits, and for anyone who's watched this, and I'm sure in Dubai you have seen uh, camels and you have. Uh, seen how they sit down. Uh, they first, or at the beginning, they flex their front legs. And then they flex their back legs and sit down in a way that causes them to make an impression on the sand under which they sit. So when the Arabs viewed this, they understood the camel to be fixed, established. Nothing is going to move it. No desert storm. And this camel is not easily pushed over. So they describe it with the term barakah, which teaches us, brothers and sisters in Islam, that barakah means your happiness is established. It means the value in your time and the value in your money, it's established. It's not something that can be pushed over. It's not that you have a day whereby you feel value in time. And then a few days where you don't feel value in time. It's not a situation where by some days your money buys you so much and then for so many months it buys you so little. No, when Allah brings barakah into your life, it's established. It's a constant in your life. You feel value in your money and in your time constantly. And that's why we're going through the linguistic meanings to properly appreciate the meaning of barakah. From the meanings of barakah, and this is a fourth meaning, the scholars say it carries the meaning of al-yumn. Al-yum. What does al-yum mean? Al-yum, loosely translated, means blessings. Blessings. So barakah is blessings. And from this, we understand that barakah cannot be attached to something evil. Somebody cannot be doing something haram, causing society some harm. And they describe themselves as blessed in what they do. We can't use the term barakah with retrogression, with backwardsness, with evil. Why? Because from the meanings of barakah in the Arabic language is the meaning of al-yumn, which means blessings. And earlier we said that barakah carries the meanings of increase, al-nama'u wa ziyad, right? An increment, it carries the meaning of increase. If we look at this fourth meaning, we understand that barakah means an increase in goodness, and not evil. So this is from the meanings of barakah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, describes the Qur'an 
using the term barakah. With the meaning of yubu, meaning the Quran is a blessed book. What it comes to you with is blessed, and after it leaves you, you are in a state of blessedness. Subhanallah. This is the reality of the Quran. So these are some of the meanings in the Arabic language that we find attached to barakah. You guys are a bit far from me, otherwise I would have asked you for some participation. I'm pretty sure I will hear you. If uh, you share with me the answer, but very quickly, let's summarize. We said, uh, we, we shared four meanings. The first meaning is which means barakah carries the, the meanings of increase and development. And then we said it also carries the meaning of something established. It carries the meaning of something blessed. And what else did we say? So I shared with you three. If I only remember three from the four, you definitely uh, forgotten. We said it carries the meaning of happiness. The meaning of happiness. Now, when we look at the usage of this term by Rasulullah or the explanation, so we understand what barakah is from the Islamic context, we can't help but look at the hadith of Hakim ibn Hizam radiallahu anhu. This man was older than the Prophet but he was close to the Prophet and it is said he is the only man to have been born in the Kaaba, inside of the Kaaba, the only person to have been born inside of the Kaaba. Obviously, this was before Islam. This was Hakim ibn Hizam. Now, Hakim ibn Hizam, he was also the nephew of Khadija bint Khuwaylid. The first wife of the Prophet So after he married her, they had a friendship before that, but now they became even more close. The Prophet told him once when uh, wealth was being distributed, this ghanima, this uh, booty that which the Muslims achieved was being distributed, the Prophet said, Oh Hakim, verily this wealth is like sweet, fresh, fruit. Whoever takes it without greediness will be blessed in that which he takes. And whoever takes it whilst being greedy, being selfish, not selfless, worrying about your share, worrying about your benefit, and not the benefit of others, then what he takes will not be blessed. Just like the person that eats yet is never satisfied. And O Hakim, the upper hand is better than the lower hand. Meaning the hand which gives is better than the hand which receives and the hand which takes. Hakim added, radiallahu anh, so I said, O Messenger of Allah, by the one who sent you with the truth, I shall not accept anything from anybody after you until I leave this world. And later on, Abu Bakr he used to call Hakim to give him his share from the wealth collected after a battle. This is what he used to do. And Hakim used to refuse. Umar ibn Khattab used to do the same. He used to call out to Hakim and offer him his share. And Hakim used to refuse. And then Umar would say, O Muslims, verily I hold you as witnesses that I offered Hakim his share of uh, the spoils, the booty, but he refused to take it. 
He never took anything from anybody after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam until he died. He honored his promise to the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, the scholars have given many an explanation regarding what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was teaching in this hadith. In the context of barakah and our discussion, I want to share with you what Imam uh, Abdullah ibn uh, Abi Jamrah says. He was a sixth century Andalusian scholar from Spain. And he was a Maliki, but his lineage is said to go back all the way to the proper to uh, back to uh, Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. Sa'ad ibn Ubadah was from the seniors of the Ansar. He says, We learn from this hadith many lessons from them. Number one, that Barakah is a creation from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. And he places in his creation. And then he says that we also learn from this hadith how wrong people are when they confuse barakah for having more. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught Hakim in this hadith that barakah doesn't mean having more, but it means being content with what you have. Subhanallah. Because he said that the Prophet ﷺ gave Hakim an example. That when you take money and you share with greed in your heart, then it's similar to a man who eats and eats and eats, but doesn't get full. So here we see that Rasulullah ﷺ is teaching us that barakah is not about having more. It's not about having a bank balance which is bigger than your brother's or your sister's bank balance. No. But barakah is about being content with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. And this is from Allah. And this, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, is what we call value. Value is when you are content with what you have. Like a person who eats a little but feels full. This is value. As opposed to a person who eats so much but they're still hungry. Or maybe they eat so much because they have so much, but their abundance doesn't benefit them. Why? Because they have sickness after sickness. But the person who doesn't have maybe the best health care, maybe he doesn't have the biggest amount in his bank balance, he can't afford private health care for example. Allah blesses him, he's protected from the sicknesses that maybe the person who is rich and can afford the best medicine and the best doctors doesn't experience. Why? Because he's always in the doctor's office. For example, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our health and bless our wealth and bless our time. Ameen. And for all those who are ill, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower upon them a complete cure sooner rather than later. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, so these are two lessons shared by Imam Abdullah. I want to share a third. Because if we ponder over this hadith, we learn from it as well that money is not evil in and of itself. And this is something we must clarify because many people ask this question. That you know, is money a curse? Is money a blessing? Are rich people evil people? Or are they rich because they're evil? You know, we do so much good, we don't have. Is money a blessing or a curse? My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, we learn from this hadith that money is neither evil in and of itself, nor is it a curse in and of itself. We learn this. 
But rather, what decides whether your money is a blessing or a curse? Pay attention. What decides this? Is you. How you earn it and how you spend it. This is what decides whether what you have is a blessing or a curse. And to further prove this, I want to take your, your attention to Surah Al-Hashr. Because in Surah Al-Hashr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in ayah number 8, if my memory serves me right, He subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praises the muhajirun for being poor. And immediately after that, in ayah number 9, He praises the ansar for being rich. La ilaha illallah. Immediately. Two groups of people. One is being praised for not having it because they gave it up for the sake of Allah. The other is being praised for having Why? Because whatever they had, they kept it in their hands. They only kept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their heart. And we know that after the Muhajirun came from Mecca and entered Medina, the Prophet sallallahu created a welfare system. And from the means of the system was that the Prophet sallallahu attached a migrant, a, a, a Muhajir with an Ansari. He made them brothers to one another. And the people of the Ansar, they welcomed this decision of the Prophet and really treated uh, these Muhajirun as their own blood brothers. And uh, we will see just now the case of Abu Rahman ibn Awf. The person who the Prophet put him with, he told him, Oh, oh Abdul Rahman, I want to do 50-50 with you. With everything that I have. Everything that I owe, that is mine, I want to share it with you uh, with the 50-50 division. So, you know, these are the lands which I own. You choose the one which you want, subhanAllah. It's not, these are the lands which I own, and I will take this and you take that. No, he said, you choose. And from my wives, in some reports, if there is from them who you want, I will divorce her. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he thanked his brother, and he made dua to Allah for Allah to bless his brother. But he said, <laughs> Just show me directly to the marketplace. That's all I need from him. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf went, and he began trading. And after a, a, a few moments in time, he comes to the Prophet with some mark on his clothes. So the Prophet says to him, where did you get that, you know, what is this mark? Where did it come from? And then he told the Prophet that, oh, I, I, I got married. <laughs> this is the perfume. Now to get married, you need money. Right? So the Prophet uh, and then he explained to the Prophet ﷺ what he did. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him that Allah blesses his trade, his transactions, and told him to do a walima and uh, share with him some fiqhs pertaining to the walima. Subhanallah. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he by his own account says that Subhanallah, after the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, whatever I put my hands on turned into gold. Meaning, it became a prophet for me, even a rock. La ilaha illallah. And this is the meaning of Barakah, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. So we learn from this that money is not evil in and of itself. And it's not wrong for you to aspire to be rich. It's not wrong for you to uh, nurture your children uh, in a way that guides them to being affluent in terms of a, uh, the financial standing and the material well-being of their lives. There's nothing wrong in this brothers and sisters in Islam. And this is evident for you. The Ansar, 
Those who Allah praises in Surah Al-Hashr, this is evidence for us. Many a time as parents we make a mistake by, uh, you know, uh, teaching our children that money is evil. No, we shouldn't teach them this. We should teach them that what you do with the money will dictate whether the money you have is a blessing or a curse. And we know today, subhanAllah, how the ummah needs wealth, the ummah needs riches to start up television stations, for example, to teach Islam to the ummah, to take this da'wah to the masses. The ummah needs wealth to create the next uh, innovative application, for example, that helps Islam and the Muslims. The Muslims need wealth so that their children can be educated in the best education uh, facilities and seminaries so that they can represent Islam in the different fields. Yes, I reiterate this. And that is why also you shouldn't tell your children to become engineers and doctors and lawyers and accountants and pharmacists. This is not how you should raise your children, brothers and sisters. Rather, you should raise them with the aspirations, not just to be a pharmacist, but the best pharmacist. Not just an engineer, but the best engineer. Not just uh, a doctor, but the best doctor. Right? They should be the best in what they do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. This is the message we should share with our children. That if you get rich as a result of being the best, thank Allah, but ensure that your money is in your hands and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your heart. This will be a true blessing for you. Teach them this, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, and bring them up upon the correct aqidah, the correct theology. Bring them up upon them having some knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, so that money is not a fitna for them, because money indeed is a test. But it is a test for those who don't have the necessary knowledge to manage themselves appropriately with this money. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us, I pray, uh, that this point has reached you and reached you clearly. When we look at the first 10 or the 10 people that were promised Jannah before they passed away, my dearest brothers and sisters, we find in them millionaires, multi-millionaires, multi-millionaires. I know today we have the Forbes listing. I don't even want to uh, use that discussion in this discussion. Because these people were millionaires of a different value. Because they were millionaires in gold and silver coins at the value that they enjoyed during their time. And this would equate to billions today. I'm talking about people that were promised Jannah. We speak about the 10 people that were given glad tidings of Jannah before they passed away. Wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi. Half of them were billionaires. La ilaha illallah. In today's day uh, and, and time. Look at Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. It is said that he was worth 30 million in silver coins at his time. We're not talking about the price of silver today. Do you want to understand what that means today? Look at the price of silver then and then calculate accordingly. This was his wealth in silver coins. In gold coins, it is said that he had 150,000 gold coins. La ilaha illallah. How much is the value of one gold coin today? What is the value of one silver coin today? But Uthman has been promised Jannah and he was promised Jannah before he passed away. This my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam is Barakah. And let's not forget SubhanAllah, the figures I'm sharing you is minus what he gained in Sadaqah. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it is said that he 
radiallahu anhu, he spent 200,000 gold coins with the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the efforts of his, of his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 200,000 gold coins. This is Barakah. We all know how he bought Jannah by purchasing Rumah or Rumah which is the wali of Medina. The Prophet said, who will purchase Jannah by purchasing this wealth? And Uthman ibn Affan was the one who stood up. We all know how he, he was responsible for spending on the, uh, uh, the army that the Prophet sent in Tabuk. Right? And the Prophet said, whoever spends on this army will buy Jannah. So he bought Jannah, Twice in his life, subhanAllah. And if you take Jannah and add it to his net wealth, what figures do you come up? Right? Because he was promised Jannah before he passed away. SubhanAllah. You can't put a price on Jannah. Uh, let's talk about Balha ibn Ubaidillah promised Jannah before he passed away. It is said that he was worth 2.2 million silver coins and 200,000 gold coins. And it is said that once a family member of his asked him for some help and he gave him land worth 300,000 silver coins like that. And he was well known for being generous to his family and giving to his family. This, my brothers and sisters in Islam, is Barakah. Zubayr ibn al-Awwam, radiallahu anhu, it is said when he passed away, he was worth 50 million and 200,000. This is Barakah. Let's not forget, they were promised Jannah before they died. Radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Abdurrahman ibn Awf, we spoke about him just now. The businessman, Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, the Shafi'i, famous scholar, who explained Sahih al-Bukhari. He says that this Sahabi, when he passed away, he was worth 32,200,000 silver coins. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. This is Abdurrahman ibn Awf. And this is Barakah, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, radiallahu anhu, promised Jannah before he passed away. It is said that his wealth or his net worth was 250,000 silver coins. And he was the one who famously asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa if he could give much of his wealth in charity because he had no one after him to inherit his wealth besides a daughter. And the Prophet ﷺ told him to give it to his relatives, but only give one-third of his wealth as a bequest. And this is where we benefit the, the, the ratio of the wasiyah, the fiqh ruling, regarding how much a person can give uh, from his or her wealth outside of the scope of uh, those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cited in the ayat of zakat. The Prophet ﷺ cited for him uh, a third. So this is evidence, brothers and sisters in Islam. I've spoken to you from practically from the lives of the best of all people after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Sahaba radiallahu alayhi I shared with you an example, Surah uh, Al-Hashr, ayah number 8, ayah number 9, as evidence to prove my point. And also the advice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Hakim ibn al-Hizam. So money is not evil in and of itself. It all depends how you earn it and how you spend it. And that is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us brothers and sisters that on the day of the Allah will ask you about your deeds. But when it comes to money, He will ask you two questions about them. Number one, how did you earn it? And number two, how did you spend it?
Subhanallah. Right? And this is further evidence from the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that uh, this wedding is not even in and of itself, but it all depends on us. Now, brothers and sisters, the, the burning question: How do we bring barakah into our lives? And this is a long discussion. If you look in the Quran and the Sunnah, it's filled with points in terms of how to bring barakah in our lives. I'm going to share with you what Allah makes easy for me to share with you in this particular gathering uh, today. Uh, the first means of bringing barakah into our lives, brothers and sisters, is to stop living for money, to stop living for financial standing, to stop living for material well-being, to stop living for the degree, to stop living for the praise of people, and to start living for the sake of one Allah alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the first means of bringing barakah into your life. That you study for the sake of Allah alone. You work for the sake of Allah alone. You make yourself responsible to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first before your boss. You speak for his sake. You remain silent for his sake alone. If you're in that meeting at work, don't just speak for the sake of getting the promotion. Speak first because what you're going to say has value, number one, and make sure that it's for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone after that. This is from the means of bringing barakah into your lives. Remember we said, barakah is not about having more. It's not about having the greatest position in your organization. It's about bringing value in the position you hold. Barakah is not about the bonus that will be paid for the one who comes up with ideas. So we just speak and speak and speak. No, brothers and sisters. Barakah is not about more. It's about value. And that is why today we all know the muwatta of Imam Malik. Rahimahullah. His book of hadith. Even though at his time, there were many people who wrote books called Muwatta. And when he was gathering his Muwatta, people told him that you're just doing another one. People have done this already. And Imam Malik says, that which is for Allah alone remains. Subhanallah. This is what he said. And Imam Malik has died hundreds of years ago, brothers and sisters. Centuries ago. But today you and I benefit from his Barakah. From the value that he brought. That he has passed away, subhanAllah, but his Jannah is growing as if he is still alive. This is Barakah, O servant of Allah, and O child of Adam. Barakah is about you living your life in a way whereby your Jannah feels you whilst you're alive and continues to feel you after you die until you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. This is Barakah. Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah passed away at the tender age of 43 according to some reports. But wallahi, who doesn't know Imam al-Nawawi? Who doesn't know of his 40 hadith? Who doesn't know of Riyadh al-Salihin? You rarely find the masjid void of Riyadh al-Salihin, the gardens of the righteous, this book of hadith which he combined. Even though there's other options out there. The 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. There were many options out there. Nobody knows any other compilation of 40 hadith besides the hadith of 40, the 40 of Imam al-Nawawi. His books in fiqh, you will not find Islamic seminaries void of his books. Subhanallah. What he did in the few years that Allah allowed him to be alive, 
is benefiting people centuries after he passed away. This is barakah, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. We think barakah is living till 70 or 80. Barakah is possibly living for 40. But you meet Allah on the day of Qiyamah as if you lived for a thousand. This is barakah. So the first means, brothers and sisters in Islam, is to fix your intentions. Detach your hearts from the materialistic realities of this life. Take everything that you feel is causing you depression because you don't have, and put it in your hand. And with your free heart, place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it, and you will see happiness. You will see barakah come into your life. That's number one. Number two, after ikhlas, is have a vision. Have a vision. Don't be a random person that has a life full of movement, which has no meaning. So you are described as the person that moves but doesn't progress. There's a difference between moving and progressing. Life is too short to make it shorter by wasting our resources. Life is too short to make it shorter by wasting time and wasting money. When you don't have a vision, you don't know where you want to go. So you start making decisions randomly. And when you finally get to different places that you never intended to get to, you realize you made a mistake. But guess what? You spent a few thousand dirhams on that university course that now you're regretting that you studied. Why? Because I studied the wrong one. I need to go study another one. You're not going to get that money back. Guess what? You studied a degree. You're 24 years old now. You're 22 years old now. Now you realize you studied the wrong degree. You want to study another degree. You're not going to turn 18 years old again. There's no reset button here. You've lost four years of your life. You're wasting it. You're burning your time. You're burning your money. Why? You lack direction. And many of us do this with our kids as well, brothers and sisters in Islam. Just like the father, whose kid is a hafid, but the father is upset. Why? Because when he finally listened to his child reciting Quran, his child did not recite it how he wanted him to recite it. But at the beginning of the journey, he had no vision. So he placed his child in a particular madrasa with a particular teacher that was never ever going to deliver upon the vision which the father developed at the end of the child's tenure in that madrasa. So now he's sad. But his son has spent four years of his life. And now he wants to send his son to Egypt for another year or another two years to fix this. This is, this is not barakah. This is being wasteful, brothers and sisters in Islam. Having a vision is about you understanding what you want to see of yourself the day you die. When you look at your son, what do you want to see? When you look at your daughter, what do you want to see? When you look at your parents, what do you want to see? When you open the window and look outside to your community, what do you want to see? You need to see that now. And then build your life accordingly. Just like we do before we build the house. We don't touch the foundation before we actually see the blueprint. We see and we like what we see, now we get to work. Why? Because if we don't like what we see now and start working, we're going to dig a foundation that we will have to fill and redig again. And that is wasting time and wasting money. 
You all need to go on a journey with yourselves and understand the world you want to see the day you die. And based on that, make your decisions. Because now you qualify to make the decision. You qualify to make the right decision. The decision that will take you from point A to point B in the quickest time and the cheapest uh, amount of money. So number two is have a vision. Because without a vision, you lose value, you lose barakah. And brothers and sisters, when you have a vision, this brings other things into your life as well, in terms of your character, in terms of your paradigms, how you think about things, it changes a few things. In the context of barakah, having a vision allows us to practice tawakkul in the greatest way. Because many people think, Tawakkul is what? Placing my trust in Allah. I place my trust in Allah, this is Tawakkul. Yes, you're right, this is Tawakkul. But also Tawakkul is you trusting your abilities. You're trusting yourself. Because you were created by Allah. You trust Allah in that He is the absolute creator, the perfect creator, and He created me. Does that make sense? Many people put their trust in Allah, but they doubt themselves. And this is not from complete tawakkul. Putting your trust in Allah entails also not doubting yourself, believing in yourself. That if you've done the necessary shura, you've done the necessary due diligence, now you're taking the decision, trust yourself. And that is why from the means of losing barakah in your life, is not having the vision. Why? Because you second-guess yourself. Barakah is entrusting your abilities, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. And Barakah leads to you not living with an inferiority complex. Many people, let me not say many, but some people, you find them, they have the self-doubt. They always live in the shadow of other people, and other people's ideas, and other people's decisions. This is not Barakah. Barakah is trusting yourself, and your ideas, and your decisions. Barakah is you not having this desire to be part of the majority, but you having the desire to be part of that which the Quran and Sunnah says is correct. This is the thing. And we talk about peer pressure today. Peer pressure is a sign that there's no Barakah in your life. Why? Because in reality, peer pressure is not about your, your worry that the other people are right. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Barakah is not about your belief that the other people are right, or peer pressure rather. Peer pressure is not your belief that the other people are right. It's your fear that you will be wrong, and people will make fun of you. That's peer pressure. And that's a sign that there's no barakah. If you have barakah in your life, you don't fear being wrong. Rather, you celebrate mistakes. And I mentioned this on my Telegram channel and Twitter just recently. That many people, they have this fear of making a mistake. And because they have this fear, they don't try. And in the Arabic language, there's a saying, مَنْ خَافَ لَنْ The one who fears falling will never ever stand. And this is some of us today. We lack this barakah. We fear failing so badly, that we become a servant of looking after our ego. We want to protect our ego from any death. So we don't even try anything. Why? Because I might fail and that would be a death on my ego. No, brothers and sisters in Islam. 
Barakah is about you doing shura, due diligence, and then trusting Allah and going full out. And if you fail, then I say, fail in study. Fail in study. There's nothing wrong. And then learn from the failure and come back stronger. So I wanted to share this with you, brothers and sisters in Islam. Also, brothers and sisters, from uh, just today, subhanAllah, I read something that highlights exactly what I'm saying, this fear of failure. There's uh, a citation that, is, uh, that, that I read today related to someone known as Samuel Langley and then the Wright brothers. Who knows the Wright brothers? Who's heard of the Wright brothers? Right? MashaAllah. Almost everyone. Who's heard of Samuel Langley? One person. One person I can see at least. Let me give you a, a practical case study of Barakah versus Obama. Right? Samuel Langley, just like the Wright brothers, invested his time heavily in creating flight. But the difference between him and the Wright brothers was that the Wright brothers, they didn't have funding. They didn't have funding. They used whatever profits they got from their bicycle shop to fund their experiments on how to fly. And Samuel Landry had government funding. Samuel Landry had the media behind him, monitoring him, speaking about him, making him famous. At that time, everyone knew Samuel Landry. No one knew the Wright brothers. Guess what happened? On October the 7th, 1903, Samuel Landry took his huge 54-foot long flying machine, which had two wings, each wing 48 feet in length, one in front of the other. He took it to try and make it fly. And he launched from a catapult, <laughs> right, on the Potomac River. And guess what happened? They say it fell like a sack of cement into the water. On, the, on December 8th, after that, he tried again. This time, before he even took off, the right wing caved in and it never even got off its catapult. This is the man with all the money, all the fame, right? The media is watching him. Everything is happening. What you and I might call today Barakah. It's Barakah, right? Let's look at the other guys. Because there's clearly no Barakah here. The Wright brothers, nine days later, they flew a true little biplane with almost no fanfare, no machinery at Quitty Hawk, North Carolina. What happened? It flew. And what did they attribute their success to? Four years before that of failure. It is said that they would go try their ideas with five sets of machinery expecting to fail where they go so they fail once we have some backup with us let's try again some backup with us let's try again some backup with us let's try again this my dearest brothers and sisters is baraka at that time when their plane flew there was no new york times there was no media around nobody knew about it but today subhanallah i just asked you a question who knows the right brothers and almost everyone put up their hand and who knows the man who had the funding and the media at that time? And perhaps only one person put up their hand. 
This is the case of barakah versus no barakah. And if this is the case with many Muslims and my dearest brother and sister in Islam, what about you, O servant of Allah and O child of Adam? So this is number two, to bring barakah in your life for the vision. Number three, dua. Understand, O servant of Allah, that all success begins with Allah. No matter what you do, all success begins with Allah. And Allah says in His book, It is Allah who made Iman beloved. Allah says, But it is Allah who purifies when He wills. All success begins with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want barakah in your life, you need to be asking Allah for barakah. And not just on a Friday, brothers and sisters in Islam, but every day. And that is why the Prophet sallallahu used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every morning and every evening for barakah. Allahumma, inni as'aluka khayra ma fi hadal yawm. Fathahu, wa nasrahu, wa nurahu, wa barakatahu, wa hudahu. And in the evening, Allahumma inni as'aluka khayra ma fi hadhi layla, fathaha, wa nasraha, wa nuraha, wa barakataha, wa hudaha. This was the will of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that, oh Allah, I ask you in this day, and I ask you in this evening, all the goodness of this evening, and from the goodnesses, I ask you for the barakah, the blessings of this evening. And in the dua of istikhara, because istikhara is a means of barakah, we find the Prophet ﷺ teaching us to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us if what we are asking for is good for us in this life and the next. And we're all familiar brothers and sisters in Islam with the dua of istikhara. So that's the third means of barakah, or bringing barakah into your life. The fourth means, al-dhikr. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly during the easy times, during the difficult times, during the times when you're in your vehicle, waiting in traffic to get to work, or get to school, before your exam, and after your exam, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a narration which some scholars have disputed regarding uh, its authoritative uh, origin from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but its meaning is correct. In which it is said that he said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, kullu amri dhibad la yubda'u fihi bil hamdulillah." Or in another narration, "Bil basmala or bil bismillah." فهو أقطع that every matter in your life that doesn't begin with you praising Allah or you saying Bismillah, then it is cut off. Cut off from what? Cut off from barakah. Cut off from blessings. And we know that before we eat, brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ told us to say, Bismillah, I eat in the name of Allah. And one of the reasons highlighted for this, or the wisdoms highlighted for this, is so that barakah can come into our food and onto our plates. From uh, the means of bringing barakah into our lives, brothers and sisters in Islam, is finding contentment with that which Allah gives you. Being at peace with it. Not living your life trying to keep up with your neighbor. And in the English language we say, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right? Whereby they go on holiday, now you sad. Why? Because I want to go on holiday. Their child goes to a particular school, so now you sad because of, of that. And so on and so forth. Their husband gets a promotion, so now you sad because your husband didn't get a promotion. You live your life in the shadow of other people. 
from the means of barakah is finding peace. And you have to do that. This is a personal battle with you and your heart. You have to, you have to work with your heart, brothers and sisters. You have to find peace with that which Allah gives you. And Abu Hurairah he says that my best friend advised me towards three things. One of those things was to look at people who have less than me when it comes to matters of this life and to look at those who do more than me when it comes to matters of the hereafter. For this way, I won't become content with my worship. I will, I will have a mandate of, of working harder and harder and harder for my akhirah and my hereafter. But when I look at people who have less than me, it causes me to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not belittle uh, the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me. Also in Surah Al-Nashrah Al-Qasadrah, which is a famous surah that we know and we read in our salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does He do? He soothes the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He calms him. Because it was revealed at the time when he was sad. He calms him by reminding him of all the good matters in his life. So when you have a little brothers and sisters in Islam, bring barakah in your life by looking at the things you do have which other people don't have. And you will see that subhanAllah, you are living in a positive situation. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is sad and Allah says, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. That okay, these things are happening which are causing you to be sad. But O oh, Prophet of Allah, didn't Allah teach you the Qur'an? Didn't Allah expand your, your chest? That's a, look at the good thing Allah gave you. Didn't Allah lift the burden that was on your shoulders and back when you didn't know how to worship Allah and now you know how to worship Allah? Yes, all these problems are happening, but look at the positives. Hasn't Allah raised your name in rank? Subhanallah. That everyone who says, La ilaha illallah, they say Muhammad Rasulullah. With every adhan, we hear the name of Allah, and we hear the name Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, look at the positives. You're going through difficulty, things are tough, don't focus on that. Focus on the positives around you. And this will bring barakah. Thus Allah says, فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا That for everyone difficulty, Allah is going to give you two eases. فَإِذَا إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرًا فَإِذَا فَرَهْدَ فَنْصَرْ وَإِلَى رَبِّكَ فَرَهْدَ Subhanallah. This is the net result of what happens when you find contentment with the little that you have. You have the ability to stand up and be of benefit to the people. And you have the ability to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala diligently. There's a narration that goes back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's attributed to him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يَبْتَلِي عَبْدَهُ فِي مَا أَعْطَاهُ فَمَنْ رَضِيَ بِمَا قَسَفَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بَارَقَ اللَّهُ لَهُ فِيهِ وَوَسَّعَهُ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَرَضَى لَهُ لَمْ يُبَارِقْ لَهُ فِيهِ he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, based on the scholars who say this hadith goes back to him, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests his slaves in that which he gives them. In the money which he gives them, in the time which he gives them, in the health which he gives them, he tests them with it. So whoever is pleased by the share that he or she received from Allah, Allah will bless that share for him or her. And whoever receives the share from Allah, and he's not pleased with what Allah gave him or her, 
Allah will bless that which Allah gave him or her. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Ameen. From the means of barakah or servants of Allah is showing gratitude to Allah and being grateful to Allah. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that in shakartum la'azidannakum in surah Ibrahim that if you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase for you. But if you are ungrateful then the punishment of Allah is severe. And one of the punishments is barakah being removed from your life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Ameen. Brothers and sisters in Islam, from the means of bringing barakah into your life, and into your home, and into your parenting, and into your health, and into your dealings, is to live your life by the Qur'an, and with the Qur'an, by its meanings, by its commands, staying away from its prohibitions, and also reciting the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is the one book that, we are, that is blessed purely in its recitation. That if you recite it for every letter, Allah gives you one hasana. And every hasana is equal to ten rewards. The Qur'an is the one book that the masses were commanded to read. Unlike the Torah and the Injil and the other books which Allah revealed before. Books which were read by the scholars, by the rabbis, by the priests. With the Qur'an, Allah commands Rasulullah to read it. And he command, the, the Prophet commands the Ummah to read it. It's a book different to the other books. It's a book different to the other books in that it is a means of barakah in your recitation, in your study of it, in your pondering of it, is barakah. And the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith which is authentic, narrated by Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَرْبَعُ بِهَادَ الْكِتَابِ أَقْوَامًا وَيَرْبَعُ بِهِ أَخْرِينَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises in rank through the Qur'an nations and Allah causes nations to fall uh, as well, based on their distance from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the means of barakah, number eight is taqwa. And from the means of taqwa is salah. Because salah, my dearest brothers and sisters, has been commanded to us in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an attachment to rizq. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقًا نَحْمِ نَرْزُقُكُ وَالْعَقِبَةُ لِلْتَقْوَى Allah says, command your families to the salah. And be persistent in your command. Be persistent in your teaching. Ensure that it's established. Be persistent in its establishment. And then Allah says, لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقًا We're not asking you for money and sustenance. نَحْمِ نَرْزُقُكُ It is Allah who provides. Indeed, it is Allah who provides. And that is why from the means of barakah is remembering always that it is Allah who provides. Taxes might come on earth. Currencies might fall on earth in value. Deals might go wrong. But whatever happens, O servant of Allah, understand. وَفِي السَّمَاءِ رِزْقُكُمْ وَمَا تُعَدُونَ وَفِي السَّمَاءِ رِزْقُكُمْ وَمَا تُعَدُونَ That your risk and your financial affairs and matters pertaining to your life, your age and everything about you is controlled in the skies, not on earth. What happens on earth doesn't affect what happens in the skies. And that is why once a person visited one of our pious predecessors and complained about the high cost of living, it's too expensive to live. This is hundreds of years ago. And the person responds, responds back, Rahimahullah, this, this pious person responds back and says, I have no understanding of your complaint. Why? He says, I 
have no understanding in relation to your complaint. Because in my world, it is for me to worship Allah as Allah has commanded me to do. And it is for Him to provide for me as He has promised to do. I take the means, provision is on Him. Whether there's taxes, whether the currency drop, whatever happens, is not going to change, my dearest brothers and sisters, in Islam, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for you, As the Prophet said, he said that Jibreel has taught me that no soul shall taste death until that soul eats the last morsel or grain of food, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for it. From the means of barakah, number nine, is sadaqah. Yes, brothers and sisters in Islam. Sometimes people tell me, Shaykh, you know, the business is not doing good, the economy is struggling, what should I do? I tell them, do sadaqah. They say, Shaykh, do sadaqah. We have little money, now you say the little we have given. I say, yes. When you can't invest with the people because the economy is bad, invest with Allah. And you know, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, but when you invest with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by giving Allah one dirham, Allah multiplies it for you 7,000%. And we know from the teachings of the Qur'an, Allah yurbis sadaqat. He grows your sadaqah. Right? He causes it to develop, to grow. He causes it to become an investment. And Allah says in the Qur'an, That whatever you give to Allah, Allah will give it, give it to you back. Try it, give for the sake of Allah, and wait for Allah to give you back what you've given, and in fact better than what you gave. If we look in uh, the, sun, uh, uh, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, he teaches us in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, that there's no day that you wake up to, except that two angels come down. And one of them says, Oh Allah, give abundance to the one who gives in charity. And the other one says, Oh Allah, give destruction to the one who keeps his money with him and doesn't spend for yourself. Subhanallah. An angel who makes dua for barakah for you. And another angel who is making dua for barakah to be removed if you don't follow the Quran and the Sunnah. From the means of barakah, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, is honesty in trade. To be honest. Don't lie about your cost price. Don't try and make that deal. I know some of our brothers and sisters, they work in corporate uh, cultures, in particular in, 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 in sales. And targets are put on you. You have to deliver on those targets. Right? You have to deliver on those targets so you sometimes start lying about certain features that the product uh, doesn't have, but you tell the client it has. You promise deals that you can't honor. You lie about your cost price to convince the, the, the customer to purchase from you based on, 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 on your price tag. All this kills barakah. All this kills barakah. And the Prophet ﷺ said about the two tradesmen who trade, that if they trade, if they trade, and they make clear the defects of the goods, and they are truthful in their discussion, Allah will bless their trade. Bless it for the buyer, and bless it for the seller. And one of the du'at was telling me of a brother in the States who got into some trouble. So after he did his time, when he came out of prison, he couldn't get a job. It was tough for him. And then after some time, they found him, subhanAllah, they found him with riches. They said, what, what happened with him? He goes, well, I, I managed to find a sales job with a company that many people wouldn't feel proud to work with, meaning, you know, 
we have culture, right? Culture Kitab is upper class, lower class, medium class. So this was lower class, but subhanAllah, I used to wake up with the hadjah, and I would wake up pray fajr, and I would start my day, and subhanAllah, I wouldn't come home except that I've not met my targets, beating my targets. La ilaha illallah. This is Barakah brothers and sisters in Islam. You don't have to lie. If you lie, you are only harming yourself. From the means of Barakah is maintaining the bonds of kinship. Looking after the bonds of kinship. Keeping in touch with your relatives. For the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Then whoever wishes for blessings to come in their wealth, in their earnings, in their rizq, Whoever wants blessings to come into their rizq, and whoever wants Allah to bless their life, where they can do so much with the little life that Allah gives them, let them maintain family relations. Brothers and sisters, we said earlier, we are in a cycle of madness. We are desperate for barakah. Fix the affairs between the relations. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Don't be a servant of your ego. Be a servant of Allah. In many a case, you have the ability to forgive. Yes, the person was wrong, but they showing regret for their wrong. But you're choosing to be abnormal. You're choosing to be inappropriate. You're choosing to let this feud develop with your family member. We said this is a talk of action, a mandate of action. If you want Barakah to come into your life, pick up your phone and send a message to a person who you're not speaking to. And say, Assalamu alaikum. From the means of Barakah, and we take this from the last example we shared of our brother in America, who mashallah, uh, found barakah in his life, is to wake up early. To start your day with the hajjid and fajr. For the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa My ummah is blessed in their early starts. And that is why I'm amazed by the brothers who say, and the sisters who say, that mashallah, Shaykh, we experience the best sleep after fajr. <laughs> No doubt, you're going to experience the best sleep because that's, that's the time of Barakah. Right? If you sleep after Fajr, you're going to have a blessed sleep. <laughs> but you shouldn't be sleeping at that time. This is the time to be working. And when we look at the richest people alive today, we see that they start their day uh, very early, at the time of the Hajjid in fact. Our time is almost up, but I'm just going to run through the remaining points that I have. From the means of Barakah, brothers and sisters in Islam, is marriage. To get married. This is what some of the scholars have said. And they say this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, marry those among you who are single, or the virtuous ones amongst yourselves, male or female. If they are in poverty, Allah will give them means out of His grace. So Allah promises to give means, to give barakah to those who are poor, if they take the means of barakah, which is to get married. And if we look in uh, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what does he teach us to do when a couple gets married? What dua do we make? What dua do we make? A dua of baraka. Baraka Allahu lakuma, wa baraka alaykuma, wa jama'a baynakuma fi khayr. Right? So when you get married, you have the whole community asking Allah to give you baraka. This is a means of baraka. So getting married is a means of baraka uh, coming into your life. Uh, another means, brothers and sisters, is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Because Nuh alayhi salam taught his people, فَقُلْتُ سَتَغْفِرُ رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا 
He said to his people, Ask Allah to forgive you, for indeed He is Al-Ghaffar, the one who perpetually forgives. And if you do so, Allah will open for you the skies, and Allah will open for you the earth, the rain will fall in abundance, and the crops will grow. And Allah will, 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 will bless you in your wealth, and bless you in your children. And this is in Surah Nuh in the Qur'an. How long do we have left, Akhi Abdullah? Are we, are we done? Khair, inshallah. I think what we've shared uh, thus far, uh, I feel is practical, uh, and something that we can implement uh, immediately. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our talk, Ameen, and bless it by making us a people that work towards bringing change in our life immediately. That as soon as we hear good, we implement it. Don't let this talk be like many a talk you listen to, brothers and sisters in Islam, where you go back home feeling, oh, it was a good talk, mashallah, it was an interesting talk. You know, the sheikh shared this example, he shared that example, that was an interesting point. And then, that is your final relationship with the talk. No, brothers and sisters in Islam. If you do this with this talk, as you might have been doing with other talks you've listened to, then you are a person of much movement in your life with very little progress. You have to move to get here. You have to move to go home. People will ask you, what are you doing? You say, I attended an Islamic lecture. They'll say, wow, mashallah, you're always doing things, good things. Brothers and, sisters, brothers and sisters in Islam, not every movement is good for you. Right? But progress is good movement. And that progress happens when you go home today and you change as a result of what you've learned. And you teach what you've learned to other people. Such that when people call you and say, what did you do Friday night? You don't, you don't just say, I went to a talk and came back home and people understand that you moved around Dubai. But rather you say, I progress for subhanAllah and then from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 18 means of moving my life into overdrive and I've already worked out a plan before I went to sleep on how I'm going to bring these 18 means into my life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this talk, ameen, forgive our past, inspire our futures, make us blessed individuals and bless it to those around us, and bless it on the day of Qiyamah. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Everything correct said is from Allah alone and is perfect, and any mistakes are from myself and Shaytan. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala Ameen wa Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi jamaah. As-salamu alaykum. We have a few minutes for question and answer. We request the brothers and sisters to keep the question to the topic. You can raise your hands and I'll come with the mic to you. We have a mic in the sister section also. Do we have a question? Because I have some uh, written questions here that have come in uh, to my mobile, which I can answer. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, wa alaikum salam. Focus. Just wanted to quickly ask you, um, could you give us a list of the 18 points somewhere? Then we have to collect it down. Okay, barakallahu feek for your question. What I'll do, uh, I will uh, put up the 18 points. Um, on my website, sajidumar.com, inshallah. Alright, visit the website in the next few days and I'll have it up there for you. Jazakallah khair for that suggestion, very proactive. And that, that, was, that is a blessed participation. Does anyone else have a question? I think we have a sister with a question. 
So our sister, may Allah bless you, Ukhti, and your family. I mean, she's saying that uh, she's touching on um, the point of Imam Abdullah uh, Al-Andalusi when he explained uh, the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ gave advice to uh, Hakim ibn Hizam. And he said from the lessons of this hadith is we learn that barakah is something created. What he means is barakah is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. That Allah can give someone one dirham and another person one dirham. But if Allah blesses somebody else's other dirham, it's going to do more than the opposing dirham. So it's something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's not something, uh, it's not something that, that is not a reality because you can't perceive it tangibly. Right? Some people only understand something being a reality when they can perceive it tangibly. Barakah, is, is, is something you experience. It's a creation from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Just like everything else is a creation from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we experience. And this is what he means. He means it, 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 it is a, it's something which you experience, and it's a concept that Allah blesses you with. No. It's not something you're going to create yourself. It's the creation of Allah. Does that make sense? So you bring it into your life by taking the means of barakah. Do we have another question? Okay. Assalamualaikum. I wanted to ask, uh, I hear that uh, some cases for some people your uh, risk to be stuck. Uh, if you're doing everything on your list and you feel the risk is stuck, what can you do to unstuck it? Okay. Firstly, Waalaikum Assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I like your stuck versus unstuck uh, narrative. Um, does this mean that you know, you, you're making dua, you're married, you're taking all the means, but you can't find a job, for example? Is this what you refer to? Or for example, you know, getting the promotion that you need? Is, is this what is being referenced? I'm in sales, so not getting the sales that I'm expecting or hoping. <laughs> Alright, khair inshallah. Um, you got to keep on being persistent because as you heard, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test us with our sustenance. Right? Um, and if you be persistent doing halal, persistent with the means, then what you're going through now is not a punishment, it's a test which you will pass and a test that means your jannah is growing every day as a result. And if your jannah is growing, the day you didn't hit your target, then really there's barakah in your life. Because you didn't do anything to lose that life. So my, 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 my answer to you would be to increase the volume of your scope in you understanding what barakah is. Don't limit barakah to progress in this life alone. Right? Uh, understand that barakah entails progress in this life and the hereafter. So, if you live a day whereby you didn't make that profit, or you didn't hit your target, but you were true to the rules of Allah and His Messenger وسلم, so your Jannah developed as a result, then no doubt it is barakah. You have gone to sleep with a mighty prophet that day. But if you 
go against the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah, and you you beat your targets, but in the process you burn your paradise, then I ask you a question, is that barakah? That is not barakah. So we should uh, improve and increase our volume. I say keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, pass the test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in, wake up with the hajjud, ask from Allah, develop new skills, try new approaches, right? Don't keep on doing the same thing, because if you always do what you always did, you will always get what you always got, as Henry Ford says. Bad English, like you're stuck and unstuck, but it, it makes sense, right? So change your ways, keep on being innovative, but keep true to the means of barakah, and Allah will open for you a great opening. Ameen. And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower upon you a great opening, and ask everyone to say Ameen for our brother. Alright, I have a quick question that's come to me uh, here, if I can just answer it very quickly. And that is about, what is the means of losing barakah? And I think it's a good uh, question to tackle very quickly, uh, especially in light of the last question that we had. Because some people might be taking the means of barakah, but they don't see the barakah in their lives, right? So why? Why would this happen? So the, the question is asking, what are the ways that we lose barakah? Very quickly, brothers and sisters, you lose barakah through sins. That you might be taking the means of barakah, but if your life is a life of sins and you immerse in sins, then you will lose barakah. You won't experience it. Sins is our biggest enemy. And maybe this is further advice for our brother who asked the question just now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ That if the people of the city Amanu, they believed what taqaw and they were God conscious of Allah and weren't sinful, Allah would have opened upon them the blessings of the heavens and the earth. So this is number one, sins. Number two, from the greatest of sins, riba, interest. Interest is a cancer to barakah, is a cancer to whatever you have brothers and sisters. Riba is a cancer to your health, to your financial standing, your material well-being, the livelihood of your children, what will happen to your children after you, some Parents invest heavily in their children's upbringing, but the children, subhanAllah, they're tested with tests, they're going astray. And when you, when Allah gives me the opportunity to try and help these families and I dig deeper, I find there's a home on interest, investment home on interest, deals interest-based, borrowings based on interest. SubhanAllah, riba is a cancer. Number three, uh, the scholars say having a dog at home, is a means of preventing the angels of barakah from coming into your home. So this is the means of losing barakah. And one other narration that I should share, given that this question is asked, is selling a home and using that money to buy something else which is not a home. And the scholars cite the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, uh, in which the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever sells a house or piece of land, then does not put its price into something similar, then he deserves not to be blessed therein. Right? So if you do sell a piece of land or you sell a house, then the most blessed way for you to invest that money is into buying another piece of land or another house. However, the scholars say if there's a need to use that money for other things, then there's no problem. But we're talking about getting the most punch out of your capital. Use it to uh, purchase another home. Uh, and then obviously number five, from the means of not having barakah is not doing the 18 points or the few points that we shared with you earlier. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best.
Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I would like to ask some of our brothers and sisters, they have jobs where, for example, there is alcohol. And they are trying to find another job, but they cannot find. Uh, can they still get barakah and their money if they do sadaqah and they try to use this money in a good way? Uh, Allah bless you, Ukhti, for asking the question. Um, you managed to tie to the topic, so we have to answer it. And uh, from the outset, no doubt, uh, if you work in an operation uh, that uh, causes you to sell alcohol, um, for example, then this is not a job that you should have. Why? Because uh, Allah tells us in the Quran to stay away from alcohol. You should stay away from it. Don't even be near it. Number one. Number two, uh, Allah says, وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ And do not assist each other in evil and piety. However, some people work for uh, jobs that uh, you know, mandates a plethora of different activities and from the activities is the sale of alcohol. So what we say to our brother or sister in Islam is in this particular case, try proactively to find another job and as soon as you find it, leave this job that you're in and whilst you are searching for this other job which is more halal, from every check that you uh, get uh, at the end of the month, take a portion of it and give it in sadaqah. Give it in sadaqah. This is a fatwa, brothers and sisters, to take into consideration the reality of the times that we live in today. Especially our Muslim brothers and sisters in the West, for example. It's very difficult to find a job that is 100% halal, there's no issues with it. So we say, if you are working in a job that has a practice which is haram in and of itself, like riba, or like alcohol, you have to get out. If you getting out is going to bring mighty difficulty to you, then uh, proactively look for an alternative. And whatever uh, uh, pay you get from your current job, give it in sadaqah. Because indeed the good deeds wipe out the bad deeds. And as soon as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens for you away, uh, walk away and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. However, that said, brothers and sisters, this question about, you know, there's a company that does haram, can I work for it? This is a relative question. The answer changes from place to place and time to time. I'm sharing with you a general open uh, fatwa in general. You should visit your local scholars uh, with these questions and let them answer you based on your specific situation. Is that clear, brothers and sisters? I highlight this because this is an amana from Allah. Right? So if you uh, come from a place where you have local scholars looking after your affairs, I want you, after I've said what I've said, to go to your local scholars and tell them your situation. Because they will highlight for you what difficulty is in your life. Many people will say, if I leave the job, I'll be, it will be difficult for me. Why? Because I have to live off my savings, for example. Everyone has a different understanding of difficulty. So it's important for you to go to your local scholar and present to him your situation specifically and then ask them if the answer which I gave uh, applies to you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was best. Sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, I love you all for the sake of Allah and Jazakumullahu khairan for honoring me uh, by your attendance and giving me your attentive ear. Once again, I ask Allah to bless you all with blessings beyond your imagination, both in this life and the next. Ameen, Ya Rabbi Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.